Well, hey, if you're a guest this morning, uh, my name's Dominic, and we're glad that you're here. I have the privilege of leading this community and following Jesus, and we're so grateful this morning that you've stepped in to, to worship him with us and, and to learn about his love for us. Um, I am, I'm, I'm really grateful to be here this morning. I, I don't think I realize, there's a couple, every so often there's Sundays where I don't think I realize how often or how much I need just to worship in community. And this morning, I'm so grateful for that space and that time. Uh, today, being the last Sunday of December before Christmas, it's the last Sunday of Advent. And if you're not familiar with Advent, Advent simply uh, just is a word or a term that's held in the uh, Christian calendar. Uh, that in Advent literally means just the arrival or coming. And what we've done over the last three weeks of, of December is, is celebrate Advent and talk about the themes of Advent that are revealed to us through Scripture and through the story of God sending His Son into the world. So we've talked about hope, we've talked about peace, we've talked about joy, and this morning we're going to talk about love. The love of God given to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, born into the world. And what I've been reminded of this last week, or even over the last couple weeks, is the fact that the story of, of Christmas, or the, the narrative that we receive through Scripture, really is a story of God's love at work, through unexpected people and in unexpected places. It's a story, I believe, of, of God's love at work through unexpected people and in unexpected places. And this morning, my, my heart and desire is to really share with you a way in which over the last couple weeks, God has met me with his love in unexpected ways and in unexpected places. Here's, here's two of the ways or two of the places that I've found myself that I, I didn't expect to be uh, at this time of year. The first one is in Havana, Cuba. Some of you know I got the chance to go to Cuba uh, from December 5th to December 9th. Uh, as I flew in, um, it was sunny, <laughs> it was hot. We looked out at the black tarmac and you can see kind of the steam rising off of it a little bit and we walk across it and we're surrounded by palm trees and I looked at my team, this is some of them here, and I just said to them, it feels so weird to be here right now on December 5th. I feel like I should be back home in the cold, freezing in the rain. And I'll share with you a little more about that in a minute. But the second unlikely place that I found myself that I didn't know I needed to be was reading through my personal devotions in the book of Revelation. Now, the book of Revelation is where my text, the Moravian Daily Text, has had me reading uh, in the month of December. And I shouldn't be surprised by that, I guess, because I read through the Moravian Text uh, with our staff team, and we've invited you all to join us in that process uh, every year. And what the Moravian Daily Text does is it ha has you actually read through the whole Bible within two years. So two years ago, I, I would have read through Revelation at this same time in, in Advent. And it's kind of weird, it's kind of funky, but I think, yeah, two years ago what I did was I said, you know what, I'm just going to wait and I'll, I'll kind of skip this. And I, I went through the, the Advent devotional that we were going through together as a church. But this year I said, I don't want to do an Advent devotional. I, I want to read the Moravian text. And so I found myself reading through Revelation at the time in the season, I'm supposed to be preparing my heart for the birth of Jesus. It's almost like I'm getting the end, right? As I'm kind of reading through and celebrating the middle. And where I found myself in Revelation this week, on Tuesday and Wednesday, was in a pretty unlikely place. But I want to share it with you. And I need to share it with you because I think it's the only way that I can honestly and authentically this morning come up here and share with you about the love of God revealed to us through the giving of His Son, Jesus. So humor me for a second, track with me if you will, and we're going to go to Revelation 16, and it is joyfully titled, The Seven Bowls of God's Wrath. Here we go, Revelation 16. Then I heard a loud voice from the temple 
telling the seven angels, go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So the first angel went and poured out his bowl on the earth, and harmful and painful sores came upon the people who bore the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl into the sea, and it became like the blood of a corpse, and every living thing died that was in the sea. The third angel poured out his bowl into the rivers and the springs of water, and they became blood. And I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, Just are you, O holy one, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them the blood to drink. It is what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and it was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were scorched by the fierce heat, and they cursed the name of God who had power over these plagues. They did not repent, nor did they give him glory. The fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues in anguish and cursed the God of heaven for their pain and their sores. They did not repent of their deeds. And so Wednesday I sat and I read this as part of my my morning devotions. And at first, if I'm honest, I wanted to just close it and go, "Ah, yeah, maybe I'll just go jump into the Advent devotional today. But I took a moment and said, you know what, Lord? No, I believe that this is your word. This is written to me. This is timely. That Holy Spirit, that you've inspired this at its writing and you want to speak now as the God who communicates in love to me as your child here this morning. And so I left it open and I just said, Lord, would you speak to me the thing that I need to hear today? And it was almost as if, as I was reading about the seven bowls of God's wrath, that he gave me a cup of humility to drink as I sat there on Wednesday morning. And I sat there and just listened to a while to the Lord lovingly say to me, Son, ultimately, this is what you deserve. It was as if God, in that cup of humility, gave me the ability to drink and read and see and agree with the voices of the angel and the voice of the water in verse 5 and 6 and 7 that says, And I heard the angel in charge of the water say, Just are you, O Holy One, who is and who was, for you brought these judgments. For they, meaning humanity, they've shed the blood of your saints. They've shed the blood of your prophets. And so what you've given them only is just what they've asked for. They've asked for blood to drink, so you've given them blood to drink. It's what they deserve. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, Lord God the Almighty, true and just are your judgments. And so I sat there again and I said, Lord, you just gave me a, a drink of something, of humility. To, I need it again to really understand what you're saying to me. And here's what I felt like God was saying to me again in a loving voice. Son, actually, yes, this is what the world deserves. It was as if God gave me the ability to see through this cup of humility with clarity my own sin, my own brokenness, my own suffering, my own sorrow. And to see it in light of who God is, to see that truly he's God the Almighty, that he's holy, that he is just, that, that when everything that he does, every judgment he makes, it, it, it's, it's true. It's, it's, it's out of mercy. It's out of holiness. It is out of love. It is out of compassion. It is out of a, of a personhood that is love. And so everything that he does actually flows out of love and out of mercy. It's as if I was able to sit there for a moment, for a moment and just see, God, you're so good and there's nothing on this earth that actually compares to you. And in that same moment then, God allowed me to see that in my own life and in my own heart, 
And in ways in this last season of the year, I've been like the people who in response to seeing God have said, I don't want to repent and I don't want to give you glory. I just kind of want to do my thing and go on about being me. And it was as if God gave me the ability to see this because he knew that I needed to understand this if I was truly going to understand his love. It was as if God allowed me to see this because of what we talked about in Genesis 3 on the first week of Advent, that ever since Genesis 3 up until today, all of humanity has inherited and live in and out of part of us, the flesh, the, the life that we've inherited through, through parents and parents and parents and generations, is this reality of a humanity that does not always repent from God, doesn't always receive God, and often doesn't acknowledge or give him glory. And it's against the backdrop of this darkness <laughs> of Revelation 16 that I believe the light of Christ's birth was shown to me, the love of Christ's birth was shown to me this week in a way that I didn't even know I needed it. Again, in an un, through unexpected people in unexpected places. I told you that Cuba was one of the unexpected places that I went. And so when I went to Cuba, just I'll give you a quick snapshot about what we were doing there. I got invited to go with an organization called Filter of Hope. And Filter of Hope has designed this amazing revolutionary water filter that's about this big. And it's gravity-fed, and it has some of the greatest technology that exists in the world right now to filter water. It's all, all the major municipalities, so Portland probably has one of these monster-sized filters in the, in the water cleaning systems. But they've somehow figured out a way to put it right here. And so what we did when we went into Cuba, we had the privilege of walking and working with, if you put up that picture, um, a local church member, her name was Daime, and then a local guy who's also a local Cuban, a translator, his name was Santiago. So Daime is, is second from the left there, and, and Santiago is all the way on the right there. And so in partnership with the local church, so that it's a sustainable ministry, we had the privilege of going into Cuban people's homes. And we'd go into their homes, and we'd set up this water filter, show them how it works, and all of them would acknowledge this is one of the top three needs in their life was access to clean water. And so we're showing them, and we're distributing these filters free, giving it to the people. And then what we had the chance to do was just say, hey, can we share a story with you? about God's love. And every single person said, yeah, sure. Like, you've just met one of my top three most tangible needs. You can kind of tell me whatever you want. <laughs> and so we would just, somebody on the team would just share then a testimony of how God's love came at some point in their life, met them, and in some ways acted and functioned like that filter. Gave them a new way of understanding and seeing all of life and how God's love filtered out the debris, the garbage, the junk, the dirt, the whatever you want to call it, and gave them new life, living water, if you will. And it was amazing. It was so powerful. Our team, we went into seven homes. We handed out eight filters. Fourteen people heard the gospel clearly presented to them in their own language in a way they can understand. And seven people responded to the love of God and made choices to accept Jesus. Did you guys catch that? Seven homes, eight filters, 14 people heard the gospel, seven people responded out of simple faith, understanding, wow, I need and I want the love of God and I will receive it freely. Thank you. And that's just my little team of six that went. We had, I think, ten teams like that went out. So I don't know what the math is. But I think it was pretty close to that, that half the people that heard a clear gospel presentation of the fact that God loves them and sent his son Jesus into the world received Christ. And you know what my response was? Is this real? Is this real? And they were riding on a bus, a school bus, this old rickety, ruckety school bus through pothole roads, and our team is on there. They pick us up from the local church. We go back to the base. And one day we're riding on it. And in that picture, right in the, uh, to the second from, from 
second girl next to Santiago. I can't do right and left right now. Excuse me. Her, her, her name's Marley. And we're riding on the bus, and Marley's a little younger than I am. She's in her mid-30s. She has no kids. She's never been married. And Marley's sitting there, and I just hear her talking to somebody next to me, and she goes, yeah, I'm not married. I don't have any kids. She goes, but I just can't even fathom nor understand right now how God could give his only son, send him into the world to save a humanity like us. She goes, it is just blowing my mind right now. And as I heard that, I thought, she's quoting John 3.16. Good. She knows her scripture. That's awesome. And I kind of just sat there for a minute. And then I felt like God was saying, and that's what you need to teach on at Christmas, on the, on, on, on the 22nd. And I thought, oh, God, come on. People know that. And they don't respond to it like they do in Cuba. See, I had been flying on a plane for 18, 20 hours to get to Cuba. And guess what I was doing as I was flying on that plane? I was reading stuff and preparing stuff and trying to figure out, wait, what am I going to talk on on December 22nd? Nowhere was that verse mentioned. And nowhere did that verse even come to my mind until we're riding on this rickety bus and Marley is just struck by the extravagance of God's love and seeing people receive it, that, that, I, that God goes, that's what you need to talk about. So fast forward a little bit, and it's this week. <laughs> and on two Sunday, or Sunday, yeah, Sunday, Monday night, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to prepare my team on Tuesday morning. We always do a staff huddle for the first hour, and I bring something to encourage them, some input, some training, something. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to bring something, yeah, that, that relates and prepares us to celebrate Christmas together as a staff. And guess what verse popped up in, the, in one of the first things that I looked at in terms of a devotional that I just kind of searched online to encourage our team. John 3.16. And I thought, nah, I don't want to do that. And so guess what we did on Tuesday morning? We didn't do that. <laughs> so after staff, that, that kind of tactical staff meeting part, I'm sitting there with Kelly. And Kelly and I are talking about music for this Sunday and for a few weeks out, we're planning ahead. And Kelly goes, hey, so by the way, do you know, like, are we, do you know what, what you're going to talk about? And I said, you know, honestly, bro, like, I just can't get away from this sense that I'm supposed to talk about John 3.16. But I'm just not really feeling it. And he goes, what do you think, you're Tim Tebow? And I was like, exactly, exactly. Right, like in the U.S., John 3.16, like you see Tim Tebow put it on eye black under his eyes. You see every stadium, every game, there's a sign, there's something. And in America, we're just inundated by it. We're like saturated with that. And we, we don't hear it just the way that I think God intends us to. Well, so that day, guess what verse was in the Moravian text? I think she already put up the picture, but John 3.16. Go ahead, put up that picture just so you know I'm not lying to you. Tuesday, December 17th, right there, third one down, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life, John 3.16. And I kid you not, Tuesday afternoon then I went, or Wednesday morning then I wake up and I open the Moravian text and where does it have me go? I've already told you, Revelation 16. And there it is in the light of Revelation 16, needing to read it both on Wednesday and on Thursday, that the light of God's love kind of finally struck my heart in a way that I understood it. And and I, I, I I can celebrate, I think, this year Christmas, what it's really supposed to mean. Let me read that to you again. John 3, 16. And I want to read for you 16 to 18. It says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already 
because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. The word condemn means this. The word condemn means to show an expression of very strong disapproval. What this verse is telling us is that for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. Does that sound like Christmas? Does that ring a bell to anybody? Into the world. So that whoever believes in him should not perish, shouldn't die, but have eternal life. For God didn't send his son into the world to, to send an expression of strong disapproval. No, no, no. On the other hand, God sent his son into the world in order that the world might be saved through him. And what struck me this year as I'm reading that is that ever since the fall in Genesis 3 that we looked at on the first week of Advent as we talked about hope, is that ever since Genesis 3, all of us, again, because of the inheritance in some way, shape, or form, the world constantly, myself included, and I think you'd agree with me if you're honest, we're constantly in this posture of pushing against God, trying and wanting to do our own thing. Even those of us that would call ourselves disciples, believers in, in Jesus. There's just something about that sinful, fallen human nature, isn't there? That rears its ugly head time and time again. In my work, in my marriage, in my parenting, in my friendships, in my relationships with my neighbors, in my relationship with my parents. No matter what it is, no matter where I'm at, there's this, I feel like there's this constant wrestling that I do as a human with that constant fall in nature that just wants to rear up its head and cause me to do whatever I want to do. And now you guys have heard me talk about this. this. This last year for me personally has been very hard. It's been a hard 2019. Having a second kid for us, extremely, extremely hard. It was just hard for us to get our feet under us and learn how to do this and love each other well and talk through stuff and mental health stuff in our own home and just how do we figure this out and things with our kids. And it's been a hard year. And I don't think I understood, honestly, until this week and then as we're standing there singing that song and Kelly says to us, so what are the lies or what are the, the shadows that you've been carrying in your life right now that you need to lay before the Lord and let his love come and obliterate? Where it was this week, God was going, son, I've sent my son into the world not to condemn you, not to give you an expression of radical disapproval, but quite to the contrary. I've sent my one and only son into the world to show you how much I love you, to show you how much I actually radically approve of you and desire you and want always in every time and in every moment of every day to be in intimate, close relationship with you. And my love is going to initiate that first. And all you have to do is receive it. And it was in the light of Revelation 16, thinking about the end times, what is true, right? Advent means, again, God's arrival, God's coming. And what we celebrate right now is Christ's first arrival, his first coming. And what we talk about often is that we're living in what's called the now but not yet. We live in between the two advents of Christ, don't we? He's come once as a baby, as a child. And he grew up and he lived the perfect life. And he died on the cross, the death that you and I should have died. But he, and he rose again on the third day. And he ascended and he sits right now at the right hand of God, reigning and ruling all over the whole world in love. And what he's promised us is that he's coming back again. That there will be another advent there will be a time unknown, un un unknown time, unknown places, un unlikely places, unknown times, unlikely people, 
It's coming, he's promised. I'm going to come again. And there's going to be a second arrival. And what Revelation 16 caught my heart today is the reality that, that the reality is God is justly, out of his just mercy, he is going to judge the world. Yet, what God desires to do is not judge the world with seven bowls of wrath, but what God actually desires to do is to welcome the whole world into loving relationship and reigning with ruling with him with the rest of eternity. How do I know that? Because of John 3.16 and what we celebrate right now here at Christmas. That for God so loved the world that he sent his only son into the world as a child to take on the flesh of humanity and to live the experience of humanity, to know all of it. To, to walk with us in our sufferings, in our pain, in our sorrows. In order that the world not would be condemned through the life of Christ, but that the world would be saved through it. See, the angels too, when they came and they spoke an unlikely word to some unlikely people in the Gospel of Luke, it tells us this. It tells us that there were shepherds out in a field keeping watch at night. And in verse 10 it says, in chapter 2 of Luke, it says, And the angels said to them, But fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We're told in the context of this that the angels were out in the field and when the angels first came, it says they knew and they recognized, they acknowledged that it was the presence of God. They acknowledged that it was the Lord himself. And so they cowered and in fear. Hence the angel needing to say to them, don't, don't be afraid. I'm thinking that what happened is the angels again, they knew and they recognized that the presence of God had come to visit them. Unlikely people in unlikely places. And I think they thought probably that the presence of God was coming to condemn them. To judge them just like the rest of all the world did to shepherds in that day and in that time, ostracized them, pushed them out, told them they weren't worthy to be here with everybody else, told them they weren't okay, they weren't all right, they weren't welcomed to be in, in regular civilization and in society with everybody else. They were ostracized, they were outcasts because they worked with stinky animals. They weren't worthy of love, acceptance, of care. But what the angel declares to them is quite to the contrary. No, God has not come close to you to condemn you, to give his voice of strong disapproval to you. No, 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 no. God has come close to you to give you his voice of approval and to say to you and to everyone else that you have reason for great joy. Why? Because unto you, you this day, in the city of David, is born a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Born to you as a king who has come, who is radically different than any other king that has ever been born in the history of the world, and he is the Savior. And he's come with this message of God's love. Now again, not to show radical disapproval for the world, but to show the world that God loves it and approves of it. See, I think this week, one of the things that God showed me was that one of the shadows in my life, I think that maybe I've been carrying for about three months now because of the hardship of this year, is maybe a lie that God, yes, he loves me, but in some regards, he still disapproves of me. You guys, if I'm honest, I think sometimes I walk around going, I know that God loves me, and at the same time, though, I think, oh, God condemns me. And so I think it took this year for me, again, to go in unlikely places and be with unlikely people to, and read an unlikely scripture to have it opened up off of my, to just the, maybe the, the, the whatever, the scales taken off my eyes to see, no, 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 God does not disapprove of you in any way, son. 
He loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son into the world to give you life if you would just freely receive it. And because I've wrestled with that for three weeks like I've told you about doing this John 3.16 thing, guess what, church? I don't think that message is just for me. I think it's for us this year as a church to consider and think about. See, one of the things that God was showing me as I just kind of processed then with him this week is that God knows all the shadows. He knows all the mountains. He knows all the walls. He knows all the lies in my life. And you know what his reaction is to them? He loves me. Church, God knows your weaknesses and your struggles and he does not condemn you. He loves you. God knows the inclinations of your heart and your provocation towards sin, the proclivities that you have towards sin. He knows it. And He does not condemn you. He loves you. God knows the things that you're hiding. He knows the things that you want to keep secret. He knows the things that you hope nobody else finds out. Not this Christmas and not ever. And He doesn't condemn you. He loves you. God knows your pain. God knows your suffering. God knows your struggles. And so what did He do? He sent His one and only Son into the world to take on your experience, to walk with you, to be with you, and to say to you, I do not condemn you. I do not look at you with an ounce of disapproval. But when I see you as my created son or daughter, I do nothing but love you. And I'm sending my Son into the world that you would know that, that you would receive that freely, and that you would walk in new life. Merry Christmas, anybody? I want you guys to do an activity with me. And this, this might sound silly, but it ministered to me this week and I, I'm, I'm just hoping that it might minister to you. I'm going to put up John 3.16 again and I'm going to invite you all to read it out loud with me. But there's going to be a couple blanks on the screen. And where you see a blank, what I invite you to do is to say out loud and insert your name. Does that make sense? See, one of the things that God has taught me, one of the, the kind of the practices that I, I, I do over the years is anytime I open Scripture and I, I, I feel like there's a promise given there, I've just learned to, yeah, pray my own name in there. And it's funny how God by His Spirit uses that to just really speak to me. And so if that slide is there, the slide of John 3.16 with some blank spots, would you, guys, would you guys do that with me? Would you read it? And again, I want you to read it out loud and where there's a blank, I want you to insert your name. For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son so that Dominic, who believes in Him, will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn Dominic, but to save Dominic through Him. Why don't you do that again? For God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son so that Dominic, who believes in Him, will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn Dominic, but to save Dominic through Him. Church, God loves you this morning. He loves you personally. He loves you radically. He loves you extravagantly. He loves you without end. He loves you without bound. He loves you without holding back. He loves you with no strings attached. He loves you because you are created in His image and His likeness. You are precious to Him. So precious to Him. So loved by Him 
that He sent His one and only Son into the world in order that you would have life. If you would receive grace, if you would receive that love freely, that's all He asks. God, God approves of you. <laughs> he approves of you. All of you. As you are. He loves you. And I think this year, that, again, that's the gift that he wants us to know, that he needs us to know. Because he's actually charged us as his church to be the ones who do what? Carry that message of that love into the world. See, I've been reminded this year in the last couple weeks, again, as we've talked about hope, peace, joy, and love, and you can put that, that little screen up that just shows that snapshot of what we talk about at Advent. I've been reminded that each theme of Advent, each week, uh, is really grounded in, and it's only made possible because of the love of God. The hope of Advent is that God loves us so much that he sent his son into the world in fulfillment of what he had promised long ago that now we have a sure hope that God will be faithful to keep all his promises to us, including that Jesus is going to return and be victorious and glorious one day. See, the peace of Advent speaks of a possibility for us to know that, that peace isn't merely just an absence of chaos in our lives, but instead, peace is knowing the loving presence of God in the midst of our chaos. Why? Because in love, God sent his son into the world who is Emmanuel, God with us. God's love with us. God himself with us in the midst of all things. The joy of Advent is knowing that Jesus Christ is the good news that the world has been longing and waiting for and that God sees the lowly. God sees the humble. God sees the broken. God sees the hurting. And he is working to bring about righteousness and justice through the outworking of his love in this world. And the love, the love of Advent, the love of Christmas, the love that we celebrate this week, the love is Jesus Christ, the only Son of God sent into the world, not to condemn it, but to save us into a life of experiencing the extravagant and the eternal love of God, both now and forever. And so each week I usually give us some application questions, yeah? Here's my question, my one question for you this week. Will you receive God's love and approval of you today? I want to pray and then we'll go into communion and team will come and lead us in worship. And you know, often we don't do communion during Advent, especially maybe not on the last Sunday because we're supposed to be celebrating the birth, right? But we just felt like this week, What's on the tables? Is there any greater sign? Is there any greater symbol than the extravagant love of God in a tangible way for us to see? And not only to see, but to touch. And not only to touch, but to taste. And not only to taste, but to experience it, to consume it. In hopes that God's love would consume us this week and rid us and free us from condemnation, from lies, from shame. And that this year we'd celebrate God's love for us. So let me pray and then we'll worship. God, I do. I thank you um, today for who you are. I thank you that you are a God that is rich in compassion and mercy, a God of great love, a God that, yes, is just, but a God that administers his justice in mercy, a God that desires the whole world to come to a saving knowledge of you and of your love for them, a God that has worked in extraordinary ways and through a unlikely people and in unlikely places to make your love known to us. And God, I'm so grateful for the ministry of your love to me personally this week. 
And I ask, God, for the ministry of your love personally to every person here today. God, I pray that you would silence all the lies, that you would tear down every wall, that you would break down every barrier that causes us to think that we are unworthy of your love. Would you obliterate the lies, God, that cause us to think that you look at us with even a little bit of disapproval? Because the truth of your word, God, is that you have loved us. You have loved this world. You have loved your creation so much that you have sent your one and only Son into the world not to condemn it, but in order that we might be saved through him. And so, Jesus, we receive together today the free gift of life, the free gift of God's love, the free gift of salvation, of wholeness that you came born as a baby to offer us. We receive it freely by grace. Lord, let us grow in it and walk in it by grace. And God, may you use us to declare it in this world in a loving and gracious manner so that others too would come to know that you love them and you've sent your son into the world for that reason. God, you're so good. We receive your love. We love you in return. And we worship you in Jesus' name.